We know not everyone hears every episode of Bottle Talk. We don't even. So we're repeating one of our favorites while we're traveling, and I hope you haven't heard this one. And if you haven't heard it, maybe I shouldn't have brought that up. Uh, enjoy the show. Welcome to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. I'm Rick Cushman. And I'm Paul Wagner. Paul, we're doing it again today. Are we getting stuff wrong again? Yes, always. But today <laughs> we're actually doing something else. We're doing a wine show about beer. It must be St. Patrick's Day. It is. I it love is. beer. Yeah, me too. So we're going to talk a little bit about how wine and beer are connecting as the craft beer world is maturing. You know, we've talked about this before, but it's really changing. Yep, it is. And we have a few beer-related listener questions, including some ones about corkage fees and about uh, which has more calorie, beer or wine. Uh, if you're drinking wine or beer for the calories, you're doing yeah. it for the wrong reasons. Yeah, it's true. But somebody asked, so we're going to answer. We have really horrible beer writing. Yes. Excellent. They do it too. <laughs> yes, and we're do. bringing back a quote from one of the world's great beer drinkers, Cliff Clavin. Cliffy. Cliffy. The man who can explain anything. That's Cliffy. And for uh, those of you who are not as old as Paul, that's Cliff from Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, a couple reminders in case you are not didn't find us there. You can find us now on the Capital Public Radio podcast lineup. Yeah, I'm hoping that that doesn't damage their reputation forever, but... I don't know. I, NPR, good luck to you all. Yeah. And, and also, and this is an invitation to anybody in Northern California, we'll be taping a show live at Four Fires in Plymouth at Amador County Fairgrounds on May 6th. That's right in the heart of uh, Amador Wine Country. Come out and see us. We'll be doing a show live and also taking questions and those sorts of things. Ask us a question. Heckle us. You know, we love attention. I, I, f I feel like we should be doing a monster truck ad right now. Yeah. Saturday, Saturday, Saturday. Well, it'd be May 6, May 6, May 6. May 6, really. May, 6 yeah. May 6. We'll wait till we get a little closer okay. to that. All right. <laughs> anyway, let's get back. We will have a link on our website, uh, hopefully up by the time we get this show uh, recorded. Yes. Yes, we will. So let's get back to beer. Wine's cousin and friendly rival. So and we'll, let's talk a little bit about how well they are getting along these days, Paul. Well, the good news is is that the younger generation of, of consumers, millennials, are drinking lots of both. And interestingly enough, in both cases, whether it's wine or beer, they're drinking stuff probably that's a step up from when you and I started. You know, when you and I started drinking, we started drinking pretty much the least expensive stuff on the market. But when we started drinking, they were crushing the grain with mules. <laughs> so I think that's... Uh... And the millennials are, are – they're exploring. They're having a lot of fun with it, but they're drinking craft beer. You know, yeah. big brand beer is actually down, but yeah. but but craft beer is it's up. way up. Although not quite as fast but as it was, yeah. but still up. And the same thing with wine. The, the big bulk wine producers are not selling as much of that inexpensive wine, and people are moving into more of those handcrafted – interesting, fun, personality-driven brand. So yeah. it's, yeah, it's a, it's a fun time to be in the business because there's a lot going on. Yeah. And, you know, there's another thing happening in the craft beer business. And this will be interesting because one of the spirits of craft beer is sort of the individual personalities involved. Right. But some of the big companies are buying the craft beer companies. Yes. And, and they are, um, in many cases, leaving everybody in place. Right. But now they're owned yep. by the big guys. Yep. Well, yeah. it's happening in the wine industry, right. too. Some right, big right, brands right. have been yes. so, Yep. 
Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. Uh, you know, by the way, the Brewers Association, which is the the umbrella group for craft beer na- nationwide, says right now there are now five thousand. This was list, you know, five thousand five breweries in the U.S. And that's this was you know I got these numbers a couple of weeks ago, so now it's probably five thousand twelve. Yeah, you know? but that seems low to me. That that can't include. That must be brewers that. Sell wine outside of the brewery because so, so, brew so pubs. Outside, yeah, there's got to be a lot more than that. Well, you you sort of would pub. think, I, and I wonder if those are separate ownerships. So somebody, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. it does yeah. sound low. And the other, the number, and and for a frame of reference, there are, depending on how you count them, nine thousand, certainly at least almost, nine thousand, almost ten thousand wineries 10, in the US. Yeah. Yep. Um, so and in the Wine Market Council, which is a research. Stats, kind of a bunch um, that that keeps. It's not, a council that studies the wine market. Yes, it well, it is That's kind of what it sounds it like. Yes, council, yes, right? they actually they wear little hats. <laughs> they have a council hat when they, they come in. Hat. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, and they've been talking about just what you were talking about, how things are changing, and yep. and for them now they they track beer a little bit because one they want the business, but right. also because it does affect the wine world. Will they change their name to the? Wine and beer market council. Yes, or it could. They could. Okay, at some point. I can hardly wait. Uh, yeah, then they'll get. Then they'll get to wear like six packs as their hat, which <laughs> some people did in college, or just the little ones, the little cans on either side. Yes, or on yes. their mouth. Good. Yes. So, so they said just what you were saying is that on both ends, both wine and beer, the lower ends are actually down in down in sales percentage wise and volume right. wise. Right. Craft beer um, is continuing to grow. It's single digit growth in 2016, which is when the last numbers they had. Um, and you know, last time we talked about this was maybe a year or two ago, and it was it was high I'm high teens. Your memory goes back that far. Right? I it's I can the only thing I can remember is alcohol related numbers. <laughs> That's it. And it was I think it was sixteen seventeen percent growth, which okay. was huge. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yep. So and overall, as you said, beer sales have dropped because the big guys are the lower end, right? Which is why they're buying the little guys. Yes. Um, and and wine's growth has been and same thing in the upper middle and upper end prices. So that's yep. it says something about you know we the the word is premiumization, which is sort of you know, people are not drinking maybe quite so much. They're actually drinking a little more, but they're drinking a lot better and a lot different too. Yep. I mean, it's spread across the craft cocktails and spirits and yep. And cocktails are big business too. That's, absolutely, that's booming business. Yeah. So yeah. so so and this is an issue that remains for beer retailers, and it's actually a bit of a quandary for them. Uh-huh. You know, it is uh, the fact that with craft beer, unlike with, say, wine, where people find – I mean, you know, people are always looking for something new with wine, but they find uh, a winery they like and they'll stay with them for a while. And people do that for certain – especially with local breweries. Right. But they're also – there's this constant search for something new in the craft beer world. Yep. Yep. And so if you're a retailer, you have to keep rotating your shelves. Yeah. And it's a difficult if, task. If, if only to show that you're paying attention. Right. But, you know, it, it, it's sort of the antithesis of the old Procter & Gamble routine where they would send a sample of Prell shampoo in your newspaper and you'd try it. Rick, shampoo is what people wash hair with, just in case you didn't know that. Uh, wait a minute. People actually have hair to wash. Yes, they I do. see. I know across. I see, see this that. on you my head. Some, this, yeah. this gray stuff. That's yeah. what we're talking oh, about. Okay, here. that's what that. So stuff they is. would give away the sample, and you'd wash your hair, and you'd say, "Wow, that is great shampoo. That's the shampoo I'm going to buy for the rest of my life. That's brand loyalty." Yeah, it simply doesn't exist in nope. beer and wine. Not above the lowest tier. Now the people drinking Budweiser and Coors are kind of brand loyal, but once you start moving up in price, the whole experience is, "Wow, let's have fun. Let's try something new." It's the same thing as going to a restaurant, if you go to a restaurant 
you don't. You, first of all, you don't always go to the same restaurant, and when you do, most people don't always order the same uh, thing. I can't go to the same restaurant. They no, because they, they won't, won't let, let you back, back in yeah. the door. Well, it would help if you paid your bills. Oh, see, <laughs> see getting, I knew there was they're something. They're getting on to that whole routine of you I, I telling your wife, honey, I just have to go to the restroom I, for a I minute. I thought they were just feeding us because they liked us. <laughs> just sprinting for the door. Well, you know, I was actually, I was in uh, one of the stores around here that is, is in Sacramento that is known for having good craft beer and an interesting wine list. And, and I was, they let you in. They Well, they were, they kept a close eye on me. I'll bet they did. But I was listening to um, one customer talking to one of the guys in the beer aisle, and he yeah. and, and the first thing he said was, what do you have that's new? Right, and that is you know, right. and that you don't want. I mean, there are there are some wine people that, but not very often. You don't. Right. It's not the first question that wine people well, ask. Well, the other thing is, there's a lot more choice in wine than beer. That's so true too. You don't need to ask what's new. There's always something new in the wine shelf. Right. Well, there's that. That's true. Yep. And you know, and and there are things, and you and I have talked about this before, and some of these have changed a bit, but. You know, there are things that our friend wine could learn from our friend beer. And there are things that our friends in beer are learning from our friends in wine that are a bad thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And we're going to get to that. We're going to get to that, including in our our horrible wine, (laughs) our horrible beer writing. Okay, so what do you like about beer that we should copy in wine? It does just seem so much easier to get started. Sure. It well, doesn't it's a screw fe- cap. First of all, I mean, it's a. It's you don't have to. You don't, you don't have a, to. Right. I have to figure out how to get the darn thing open. You don't need a special tool to open the bottle. With a, with bottle. good teeth, you could actually get it open. <laughs> I, uh, eye sockets. I've, yes. Yeah. But, you know. So <laughs> okay. I mean, uh, and but even just this approach, the 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 not knowing anything about beer seems okay in most cases. Right. People don't talk about how to store it. People don't talk about where you should store it. How to serve it. They just say open it and drink it. Right. Right. Yep. Right. 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 Yep. That's good. You know, but on the other side, I'm starting to hear brewers talk about the kinds of hops they use and how much mm-hmm. and how often and all that stuff and it's beginning to sound an awful like remember remember in the old Charlie Brown uh, specials when the adults would talk, yeah, and yeah. The, the voice would go. Is that wah, 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 wah. Right, Yeah, right. that's what it's beginning to sound like on the beer side. I've been side told too. that's how people translate our show. <laughs> Translated into seventeen languages, always the same. That's right. Yeah, you know, I, and and I think one of the, uh, still, you know, one of the things you don't hear. The phrase that you and I go nuts over in, in not a good way, which is when wineries talk about we need to educate our consumers. Right. You, you don't hear that much yet. Right. So and right. and certainly when craft beer was getting started, you, yeah. you heard little in, of that. And in, in more often, the case with the brewers is simply want to see if we can get them to try it. Right. If we get them to try it, right. they might like it. Right. Yep. You know. And not, one of the one of the things, another thing I think that I do like is. Um, and this is, you know, there's nothing wine can do about this, which is that it's just cheaper to experiment with beer. Although wine could, you know, by selling smaller tastes and, and yeah. Um, yeah. but it yeah. is it is just because the you nature. You don't of, feel quite the same commitment right. buying a beer as you do buying a, a good bottle of wine. Right. Yeah. Right. But yep. even in a restaurant, you know, you can, you, you know, through a meal, you know, you, you can buy two or three um, beers and, and, and taste different things where. In the wine list, unless they have a really good buy-the-glass program, right. your options right. are just a little Even smaller. Even so, in most restaurants, a buy-the-glass for wine is more expensive than a, than a bottle of beer. Yep. Yeah. Yep. 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 Yeah. And you know, and then there's this thing. Although we're gonna we're gonna talk about this in our horrible beer writing, which is I I think that there is still less of this thing. I, you know, I mean, it's funny because. In wine, so many people have this reaction, you, you know, sort of just newer wine drinkers because they've seen this. And certainly people have been around. So they feel like the first thing you have to do is I- 
identify the fruit or something that they tasted in it, right? As opposed That's to, right. as you always say, just say, "Do you like it?" Right. Um, and and with beer, there is still less of that. Yeah. Although we're starting to see people talk about the Belgian beers and the yeah. sour beers and the fruit added beers and all of this stuff that. Yeah, it's getting – they'll get there. Sooner or later, beer will be as stupid as the wine business in talking to their customers. Well, that's it. You know, I, 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 do, I, I do see enough that beer snobbery <laughs> is raising its insecure, oh, self-involved yeah. little head. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's funny. And you know where I see it? It's where we we would expect to see it. Beer writers. Right. Beer writers and and uh, waitresses, waiters in – in restaurants that make a big deal about their beer. Yeah. Although, you know, there's uh, certainly in Sacramento uh, where I know a lot of the brew pubs because I live here. And so I go to many I was of gonna them. I th- thought you were going to say you live in the brew pubs. Well, I try. But once again, they throw me out <laughs> after a while. Um, but, you know, I have I have yet I have yet to run into the, um, the beer psalm. The beer psalm. I mean, everybody when I you know, I, half the time I go to these some of the breweries and I know nothing of their beers because I have right. I've only been there once and right. you know they will handle my idiot questions um, very gracefully. Well, God bless them. I know. God bless so them. that's that's why I go yeah. back because they're nice to that's me. That's good. Yeah, that's good. Um, okay. In the in the long run, don't you think that it's good for wine? The the, oh, the rise think, of beer. I think any time we get Americans thinking seriously, and I don't mean necessarily seriously as in philosophically, but just get Americans thinking, wow, there's a lot of different flavors out there. Let's go out and try some. That's a good thing. Whether yeah. it's food, whether it's wine, whether it's beer, it's all a good thing. It's a good thing. Well, speaking of good things, we're going to answer some questions. I thought we were going to take a break. Yeah, that would be a great thing. <laughs> all right. You are listening to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul, and it is time to take some questions from listeners. If you'd like to ask us a question, go to our website. That's rickandpaulwine.com. If you're not already there, if you want to find us on Capital Public Radio's podcast lineup and link to us, it'll take you right to our website, and then you can ask us a question from there. And look for us on iTunes, free subscription, one little click. All right, so we do have a couple of beer questions that I've corralled. Okay. Good. Basically, I've is that uh, what, is that the term uh, you use for beer questions? You I've, corral them. I no. I would. What you would ride you, them, rope them. I would. Yeah, that, would, that would, sounds like a beef question, really. But <laughs> um, I, I've I waited till we got some, and okay. uh, and I actually friends of mine who You're, had oh, discussions. Rick, you know what you did? You curated these. I questions. curated. Yes. If anybody's listened to us for more than one show, you know we do not like that word. <laughs> so our first question comes from. Paul in Sacramento, uh-huh. and he asks okay. a good one, uh, are there corkage fees for beer? So, you know, we got this question a couple of years ago, and I called around then. And nobody could really Very answer. few. Yeah. I called around yeah. now. There are more. Are there? Yes. Okay. Still yeah. very few. Because people are, are bringing beer into restaurants. The big the big boys. Yeah. yeah. And so uh-huh. so they most of them charge, uh, uh, well, I shouldn't say most. I, so I think, I, I once again, I can't remember the numbers, but I think we did this a couple of years ago where we at, got this question. And so, yeah. and I remember I, I found three or four or five places out of maybe 10 phone calls. Right. So I made 10 phone calls this yeah. time and I got five. Wow. They said, okay. yeah, depending on the situation. Yeah. They would say, if somebody brought in three or four, yes. Right. They brought in one, maybe not, and we right. usually charge them half the corkage fee. That was yeah. that was yeah. the tendency. You know, it's funny because in the Napa Valley, of course, the restaurants have a different scenario because half of their customers or a percentage of their customers own wineries in Napa and are taking their friends out or their business associates out for dinner. So restaurants, I, I live in a perverted place that way, and that restaurants there really don't have the same philosophy about this. Because if they started telling every winemaker in the Napa Valley that they'd have to pay a lot of money to open their own wine, the winemakers would just go somewhere else. Right. 
Beer is a little different because there's no world center of brewing, if unless it's Pilsen in Czechoslovakia or the Czech Republic now. But other than that, beer can happen anywhere. Right. So right. you don't really have the same concentration. But yeah, if if I owned a brewery, if I made beer and I wanted to take some people out to a nice restaurant, if they didn't have my beer, I'd absolutely want to bring it in and pour it for them. Yeah. And if somebody who does own a brewery and is going out to dinner, just tell them it's your beer and they'll probably let you open right. it for free. Yeah. That's right. And and yeah, you try, you try that, don't you? You walk in with Bud Weiser I say, and this I is say, my this is, beer. Yes. I say my name is Bud. My last name is Weiser. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, actually, the, the thing uh, that, that often works for wine might work even more for beer, which is just offer your server a taste. Sure. Um, they, and they, they might may have already it. had Budweiser. Yeah, though, Rick. Have they really? Yeah. I thought it was such a high end. No, well, I don't think so. All right. Our next one comes from Susan and Ripon. Uh, do sommeliers get beer training these days? Uh, yes, they do. Yes, they do. And yes, they do. And not just beer, but for uh, the, the the classic sommelier training now includes coffee, tea, cigars. Yeah. Cognacs, etc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and have and, to know everything that's served in the restaurant. And you certainly know that um, most of the restaurants now, whether they're a som is certified at any level or just somebody who knows wine, um, that they do train. They, I, I know a lot of restaurant folk in Sacramento for for certain, and in other cities too. That I know people that they're they train them almost not quite as intensely because once again, as we were just saying earlier, right. beers are less complicated. But they want them to know. Yep. Yeah, and and they yep. want and maybe most of all, what they want know is the pairings. Well, and they want them to know because customers are asking. Yep. That's yep. the key. And I bring up the pairings because that's another question, which is this is from Riley in Carlsbad. Okay, good. Riley, I don't know if it's a he or she. Could be either. Riley, if you're listening, you ask, <laughs> do wine and beer pairings work the same or differently? I've heard wine people say match the body of the wine with the body of the food. Is that possible with beer? Sort of. Yeah, Sure. Um, you know, the, the other thing that uh, you, you take into account is not just the, the body, but the other element, particularly in beer, is what you think of as the bitterness. Uh, so an IPA or a very hoppy beer. Yeah, and, and they have now they have flavor. scales that will tell you the IBUs. Yeah. yeah, and so those sorts of beers may go with one kind of food, whereas a lighter, lighter beer would go for lighter style food. But yeah, pretty yeah. much it's the same. It's not... It's not perhaps as complicated because beer isn't quite as broad a range of flavors, at least traditional beer. Yeah, yeah. Um, but sure. And, and, you know, and the carbonation in beer, for the same reason that the carbonation in sparkling wine, gives it a leg up in, in pairings in a lot of ways. It makes life easier. It, it does, but it makes it pair with a lot more things. Yep. Yeah. All right. So that's it for questions for now. We have a couple more later on in the show. You are listening to Bottle Talk with Rick and Roll and come Rick and Paul. Excuse that's me. That's me. Uh, it's Paul. I'm Paul. It's Paul. I knew. I knew. I recognized you. <laughs> Coming up is some really horrible beer writing. Excellent. So the urge to overwrite happens everywhere, <laughs> sadly, sadly. And as we were saying, I think the um, the 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 self-involved snobbiness is coming first from many of the writers. Right. Here's a couple of beer descriptions. Paul, what do you got? Okay, I got one here. Bourbon and sour notes on the road. Nose, sorry, aged for t- ten to twelve months in a barrel from Ironweed, a local distillery. 
ginger, coriander, lemongrass, and bitter orange peel on the palate. Echoes of a sorghum-based <laughs> brew, but less West Coast influence. The sour notes rise in a Britannomyces lactobacillus sort of way. Oh, you know, I always talk about things like in a lactobacillus bretomyces. I just can't imagine anybody reading that and saying, oh, goody. This is yummy. Britannomyces and lactobacillus, give me a double. Yeah. (laughs) Right? Does it it, come with its own anti-inflammatory drug or? But less West Coast influence. So I guess it's a different style wrap. Well, I like a sorghum-based brew. Because, you know, when I was a kid, we used to drive through the Central Valley of California. And one of the games we'd play was to identify what crop was growing out there in the fields. And you know, in the Central Valley, we grow everything. Yeah. Well, the one crop we always mentioned when we didn't know what was growing out there, sorghum. Oh, sure. Well, yeah. You ever seen sorghum? I I have no idea what it looks like. That's why we Uh, used it. (laughs) Or what it tastes like, for that matter. Although I do know it ends up being a syrupy thing at some point. Yep. So, um, Dear Lords. All right. So, but that's the insiderness, you know. A barrel from a local distillery, and they get specific about the distillery, right? That's crazy. So, you know, and and maybe they're going after the the locals, but if they have to tell them it's locals, it's clearly not that. Right. Yeah. So, right. All right. Well, mine is going to have as echoes, although the flavors are different, but echoes of another kind of really horrible wine writing. Malt character with perhaps some rye spiciness balanced with a dank hop bitterness. The Mm. beer begins with bitterness on the tongue. Next comes orange juice concentrate and sticky resiny hop bitterness. It begins to dry up as it reaches the apex when the malt takes control and creates some cracker-like character. Climaxes with a spicy sensation similar to rye or garlic. As it goes down, there's a taste of orange popsicle, honey, and pale malt. It's Dear Lord. You know what I'm wondering? Similar to rye or garlic. Now, I'm sorry, one or the other, but both? Hmm? How can it be similar to rye or garlic? Well, uh, maybe maybe this is somebody who chops up some rye before he stir-fries. I, <laughs> I, but it's that, you know, that, that, that long, confusing list of flavors yeah. where, you know, you're tracing, you have to trace this. You know, we, we've... I Talk. like that sticky, resiny hop bitterness. Yes. Mm. Mm, good. Yeah. I'll have some for breakfast. Yeah. Um, but I do want to point out, by the way, that there is some solid uh, uh, beer writing out there, too. And so here's a description. Um, I ran across this is from a beer author named Chad Pollins, a blogger, author. Uh, I think uh-huh. he's a former newspaper guy. Good. And this actually made me sort of see what, think what the beer would taste like. The first taste oh, I noticed is sweet milk chocolate. Beers of the style tend to have a strong red grape flavor. While that taste is present here, it takes a backseat to the deeply roasted malt and coffee flavor. There's some alcohol warmth as it finishes, but actually it complements the palate. Okay. I'm Pretty ready simple. to try that. Yeah. A couple of flavors kind of gave us how it came at you. Yeah. That was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Also get an idea of actually how, whether it's an intense or a light beer. It's yeah. clearly a relatively intense and somewhat dark beer. That's good. Yeah. I yeah. love the, yeah. Yeah, and that is, that's a lesson so for So did you bring a bottle of this? Beer? No, I know. I, this was, he's actually an East Coast writer, oh, so. Oh, man, Rick. Um, uh, yes. But, Thanks a lot. Nah, just trying to keep you thirsty. <laughs> Stay thirsty, my friend. That's somebody else's. Uh, that's right. Somebody else's beer. That's a beer All thing. Right. All right. Well, back to some questions. but And a reminder, before we're done, we have the best ever beer quote from our friend Cliff Clavin. That's right. Uh, so for questions, a reminder, too, that uh, you can go to our website, ask us a question. We will make fun of ourselves, but never you. Or wine snob, or beer snobs. We'll make fun of them, too. This one comes from Renee in Walnut Creek. This is our promised what has more calories, beer or wine. Oh, yeah. So as it turns out, 
Yeah, it's, it's it's not a yes or no. Yeah, but it is. It's it's related to the alcohol level, right? And generally, actually, when you put them together because of the size, right. sort of what you're drinking, beer tends to come out a little bit ahead. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Does uh, that mean you mean more calories? Or more calories. More calories. More yeah. calories. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, and you know, for example, a light beer. Uh, anything from 95 to 160 calories, depending on the size, you know, from like a 12 ounce to 14 ounce. Right. Where we would consider lighter wines, which is, you know, 10% alcohol sort of thing, um, 95 to 140. I, I, light beer was 160. Yeah. Uh, lagers, you know, once again, in, you know, a bar pint is 14 ounces. You know, it's 225 versus, but it could be less. Right. Um, and all of these are based on a six ounce glass of wine? These are based on a five ounce glass. Five ounce glass of yeah. wine. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, and that okay. is so sparkling would yeah. be. 160. So what we've been watching the housewives drink on television. That's not a five ounce glass. No, of wine. that's more like a um, beer. Twenty four ounce. That's glass. A, yeah. That's a beer pint of wine. Is what that is. <laughs> it goes on that way. There's yeah. a few, but so, but you know, if but, you are actually counting calories. The higher you go in alcohol, that's really that's right. alcohol is remember sort of in some ways a processed sugar, right? Um, and so, it, you know, it'll, the calories it takes to break it down. Beer a little bit more, but there's also another thing with beer, and and I I like this quote, and I I went and resurrected. This is from Michael Jensen. He's a doctor, an endocrine expert, and obesity research at the Mayo Clinic. You know, I've heard of them. They yeah. do a lot of work on mayonnaise. Yes, yes, yes. So he would know then. <laughs> in general. This is, this is uh, Dr. Jensen. In general, alcohol intake is associated with bigger waste because when you drink alcohol, the liver burns alcohol instead of fat. Right. So you're not processing the fat and, and ultimately you're, you're gaining weight. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But he also says beer also gets the blame because alcohol calories are so easy to overdo with beer. Mm. Most people at a pub or bar usually down a couple and don't forget the foods that you wash down with these beers. Right. Maybe, you know, depending on the pub and whether it's just, you know, it's fries and potato skins and that's. Yeah, sort of Do you thing. want fries with that? Um, usually the question. Yes, that's exactly right. right. That's right. Yep. Um, all right. And then a quick one from Tim in El Dorado Hills. Which sort of relates to what uh, Dr. Jensen was saying. Okay. He says, what is it about beer and bar foods? They pair so well. Are there wines that go as well with all that stuff? I get my pub. You know, not really. Um, the, first of all, a lot of bar food is deep fried. And deep fried has a lot of fat. And salt. Which means that you need something. I mean, yes, sparkling wine. But then when you start throwing in the umami stuff of the Reuben sandwich, the hamburger, the barbecue stuff, the truth is a lot of that stuff, nachos, beer is actually about as good as it gets with those kinds of foods. Yeah, you and I can sit around and talk a little bit about this wine or that wine being good with one or the other. But if you told me we're going out for bar food, it's going to be... Hamburger with French fries, a Reuben sandwich, a pizza, a barbecue calamari, ribs, yeah, calamari, salty fry, and nachos. Yeah, yep. I'm going for beer. Oh, it sounds so good, too. I know. See? I'm <laughs> thirsty, and now I'm hungry. Yeah. Dang it. we got to stop yeah. doing so, the show so, this And what it is about beer is it is – beer is – it's you know, it's the sparkling, the bubbles in it helps, yes. the bitterness helps, you yep. know, the coldness helps. Yep. Um, all those things are, are really go well with that. Plus, with for the spice. those of us who don't have a mustache, the head on the beer often gives us a little mustache, yes. so that adds to our attractiveness. Well, yes. I've always said that you look really good with the, the, the beer, beer all over your face. It's perfect. <laughs> all right. Well, speaking of bars and beer, before we go, <laughs> we have to read Cliff Clavin's theory about buffalo and beer. Nothing right. sums up the love of beer better than this. 
This is Cliffy talking. Well, you see, Norm, it's like this. A herd of buffalo can only move as fast as the slowest buffalo. When the herd is hunted, it's the slowest and weakest ones at the back that are killed first. This is natural selection. It's good for the herd as a whole because the general speed and health of the whole group keeps improving by the regular killing of the weakest members. Mm -hmm. In much the same way, the human brain can only operate as fast as the slowest brain cells. (laughs) Explains us, Paul. Excessive intake of alcohol, as we know, kills brain cells, but naturally it attacks the slowest and weakest brain cells first. In this way, regular consumption of beer eliminates the weaker brain cells, making the brain a faster and more efficient machine. That's why you always feel smarter after a few beers. (laughs) Ah, that's good stuff. That's why people People feel smarter after listening to us. <laughs> That's right, because we've killed brain cells for them. Yes, we do. So before we kill any more, this is it for another round of Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Our producer is Matt Piscini. Thank, Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Matt. Don't drink too much beer on St. Patrick's Day. Thanks to Capital Public Radio for the studio use and for putting us on their podcast lineup. And uh, we should remind folks that we are going to be, once more, at Amador Four Fires in Plymouth on May 6th. Come see us. It will be fun. Plus, you get to taste some great wines up there. And and food. And food. Absolutely. And so if you learned anything today, we hope it's that beer and wine can be friends. I'm Rick Cushman. And I'm Paul Wagner. Remember, the best wines and beers that you drink are with friends. Or with us. Especially us. 